Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them. Uh, Lindsay, I already forgot your hint, but I think it was spooky? Yeah, uh, we're gonna spookify a Jane Austen novel. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, so I've been wanting to adapt uh, Northanger Abbey for a while. Uh, it's kind of an interesting book in that it wasn't actually published until 1817 after Jane Austen's death. It was published along with Persuasion, but it's part of what's considered her juvenilia, the stuff she wrote before Sense and Sensibility. Okay, because she grew up when she wrote Sense and Sensibility? Uh, Sense and Sensibility was a bit more mature. Than her other works. I have read her Juvenalia. And um, like it's good. It's better than anything that I wrote in high school. But it's. So Jane Austen did not mince words. With people. Okay. There's a reason why a good chunk of her letters were burnt. It's because she basically wrote letters. Like how we subtweet. Oh boy the scandals. <laughs> yes. Um, And there's. You can tell her humor is a bit more immature at this point. Like, yeah, she's not holding back, but also it's, I wouldn't say it's crude. It's just like, uh, how old would she be in 1803? She would have been, must do math, must do math. She was 33. Oh, okay. Which is like 60 back then. (laughs) So it isn't so much youth. It's more like she was still kind of finding her voice. And working out the kinks of plotting. But I will say, like, when compared to her later works, the biggest problem with Northanger Abbey is, like, it's got a... It doesn't so much have a three-act structure. It has a very... No, it does have a three-act structure. It's more like the first act is very short, and it's more just establishing Catherine Moreland as the protagonist. So she's a 17-year-old daughter of a... I want to say, like, a vicar... Basically, it's establishing, like, she is the opposite of the typical uh, gothic romance heroine. Uh, She is the fourth of ten siblings, all of whom have survived infancy and early childhood, so they're doing great. Her mom is still around, too, Um, and there wasn't, like, any, like, weird shit that happened when she was growing up. She was quite the tomboy as a kid, and she's recently discovered gothic romance novels. (laughs) (laughs) let's just say that the monk was the 50 shades of gray of the regency period so yeah she's basically a a goth fangirl and she gets an opportunity to go to bath for a season and bath was kind of like the hit place in england at the time everybody went there to take the waters and you know be seen (laughs) um and she's taken by this uh wealthier uh, older couple, they're childless, and they're like, hey, we're going to Bath to do this thing because Mr. Allen has some gout and he wants to take the waters to help with that. So we'll take you along and, you know, get you introduced to society, Catherine, because you're 17 now. You're marriageable. Yep. <laughs> and then the second act of the book is probably the longest. And it feels that way in the 2007 movie that had Felicity Jones in it. A very adorable Felicity Jones. Um, Where it's just like Catherine meets uh, two sets of siblings. The 
Thorpes and the Tilneys. The Thorpes are Isabella and John. The Tilneys are Henry and Eleanor. The Thorpes are the basically the bad siblings, and the Tilneys are the good siblings. And uh, Catherine falls for Henry, and then she gets invited to Northanger Abbey, the eponymous uh, mansion, and encounters their father, General Tilney, who is a complete asshole. Um, <laughs> and because she learns that the Tilney's mother died very suddenly when they were young, she thinks, ooh, mystery. Basically, this book is a lot of her realizing that she can't apply gothic romance tropes and plot to real life, and it gets her into trouble, but eventually she and Henry still get together, and through deus ex machina, as I said, the the third act is very short. It's her back at home waiting for Henry to show up. And basically he's like, I'm going to marry you, Catherine, even though I'm I'm probably going to have to break with my father and we're not going to have a lot of money and all that. And then it's like, oh, guess what? You know that secret suitor that uh, Eleanor had? Uh, turns out his some relative of his died and now he's got a title and a whole bunch of money. So your dad is in a really good mood and is going to let you marry Catherine. Convenient. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm like, the ending is super convenient and why I relegate it to the juvenilia in that Jane Austen's still working out some kinks with her writing. So I'm like, okay, it's Halloween, getting into the horror mood. I'm going to make this a slasher and Catherine is kind of right for being suspicious of stuff. <laughs> now, is this a period slasher? Period slasher. Okay, so this isn't Bridget Jones' scream. <laughs> <laughs> Although that would also be fun. Yes. <laughs> no, this is uh, going to be a, Regen <laughs> a Regency slasher. Pride, Pegasus, and zombies eat your heart out. Yeah. Literally, because zombies. Uh, so, the general idea is that Catherine is both right and wrong with what she's suspicious about. Like, she's right to be suspicious about the story of how Mrs. Tilney died. But she gets, like, the wrong players. And she's wrong genre savvy, not in that, like, oh, you're in a Jane Austen romance instead of a gothic romance. No, Catherine, you're in a slasher, in a 21st century slasher. <laughs> So, remember the Thorpe siblings. Okay. Okay, so there's another Tilney sibling, too. Frederick Tilney, who's considered something of a rake. And I'm like, why don't we make him a bad guy in this? Like, an actual bad guy. They kind of... Jane set him up to be something of an obstacle to deal with, and then doesn't use him. So, I'm like, okay, what if... Because part of the plot is, while she's at Bath... Uh, Catherine meets up with her brother James, who's friends from Oxford with John Thorpe. And James falls in love with Isabella and proposes to her. And because there's a bit of a comic misunderstanding in that the Thorpes think that James and Catherine are favored by the Allens, who, as I said, don't have children. So they think that maybe these two will get some money from the Allens when they pass away. Ah. Yeah, so... They're like, oh, James is going to get a whole bunch of money instead of the 400 pounds in a parsonage that he's actually going to get. And that's only w within like two years. So they got to wait to get married for not a lot of money. 
so Isabella is like, all right, I need a bigger catch. I'm going to try and seduce Frederick Tilney, who's the eldest of the Tilney siblings and is quite wealthy and is going to inherit Northanger Abbey and all that. <laughs> and then when it comes to Frederick, so he's considered a rake. He's in the army. He's sowing his wild oats. What if he's the one who killed Mrs. <laughs> Tilney? And he was a bit of an enfant terrible. And because this is the Regency period, let's just say that General Tilney decided to avoid a bit of a scandal, cover up his wife's death, because he knows that it was actually Frederick who did it. Uh, I don't know, it could have been a riding accident. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, he caused the horse to spook that knocked off Mrs. Tilney because, oh, mummy did something I didn't like. Mummy was being rude to me. So General Tilney is like, I'm gonna send you into the army, my 14-year-old son, where you'll either shapen up or you'll be sent to India and die. So wait, hang on. Which, just so I have everything uh, straight in my head, which Tilney is this? This is Frederick, the eldest. Okay. The love interest is Henry. Right. He's going into the church. Because that's what you do with the second son. Okay. So is is Frederick actually going to be the killer or is he a red herring? He might be a red herring. They might get John to do it. Okay. Okay. I haven't fully figured out which one I would want. Which do you think would have the bigger impact? Because John is set up to be a rival love interest to Henry. But the biggest marks against him are that like he's rude and he's kind of controlling. And like he and Isabella straight up gaslight Catherine. <laughs> Into trying to ditch the Tilneys. Okay, and then Frederick is just kind of acerbic, but not anything sinister. Yeah, but we can make him more sinister. Yeah, well, so okay, well, in that case, I think it makes more sense if, like, signs are pointing to John or potentially Isabella, maybe even both of them being the killers, but then ends up being, no, it was actually Frederick Tilney doing everything. Okay, yeah. So yeah, the, the Thorps aren't evil, they're just kind of nasty. <laughs> Yeah, they're just in it for the money. <laughs> so I was thinking like when the killing actually starts, so probably shorten up the first act with like establishing who the characters are, like get Catherine to Northanger Abbey ASAP so that we could have like the investigation and kind of the weird spooky setting and all that and maybe setting up the mystery to be did General Tilney kill Mrs. Tilney? And then it's like, no red herring there. When he gets killed, he's the first one to go. Yeah. Oh, here's an idea. What if the Thorps are trying to get Catherine and John together because they think she's the killer? Okay. Like, because she comes in, she's like, wow, I just love a gothic romance and everyone around me is dying. How frightening, but also a little bit titillating. And they're like, wow, there's something wrong with this girl. We should marry her, get her dowry, and then commit her. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe she's not, like, that sinister. It's just, like, she comes off at, like that because, like, she's like, oh, oh, Henry, did your mother die of, like, arsenic poisoning? He's like, no! <laughs> <laughs> you idiot child! <laughs> oh, I... Forgive me if I have my timelines out of whack, but... Catherine definitely seems like the kind of girl who reads about Mary Shelley 
and uh, <laughs> who, who did she get together with? Percy? Percy Bay Shelley. Yeah, Mary and Percy getting together, consummating their relationship on her mother's grave. She looks at that and she goes, wow, couple goals. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Actually, let's look at... Because, like, I'm pretty sure she wrote Frankenstein in, like, 1817, but, like, Jane Austen time is nebulous. It's You only really pay attention to it uh, depending on, like, what style of the costumes you want. Yeah, so... Yeah, that was uh, 1816, so she would have consummated her relationship with Percy... Okay, so... Probably around 1814. Yeah. And you said that Northanger Abbey was written in 1803, but it wasn't published until 1818. So we could say that the novel takes place in 1818. Yeah. Because then that can be something going on in the background. Like, the, we can have Frankenstein and Dracula and that whole summer going on in the background, which just extremely... Uh, the vampire. Dracula was, like, at the end of the century. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot. It was Vampire and Frankenstein. What else came out of that summer? Uh, it was Frankenstein and uh, The Vampire by John Polidori. Okay, I thought there was a third thing that came out of there. Uh, Byron might have written something. He probably wrote something. But yeah, just th- those those big uh, quintessential gothic works came out and really helped codify Catherine's love of, you know, the... What's the word? The morbid. She's got a case of yes. the morbs. <laughs> yeah, well, she's canonically 17 too so she's basically a proto emo kid <laughs> <laughs> instead of my chemical romance she's got uh <laughs> johann wolfgang my- goethe <laughs> because he wrote the sorrows of young Werther, which is like quintessentially emo i i, I was just gonna say uh m- my my physician buildings roman <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> my physician's village room. <laughs> In the background, there's teenagers scared the living shit out of me, but it's being played on violins. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, that's the trailer song. <laughs> the orchestral no, version. <laughs> um, could also. Could also get Walt's cover of Misery Business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so we follow most of the plot up until General Tilney, I don't know, gets it in the back and then like flops on the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't actually watched that many slashers. Um, I'm too scared. That's fair. You know what? You'd probably like slashers more than full-on horror movies. I'd probably like Scream. You probably would like Scream, because Scream is a slasher about slashers. Yeah. Um, you'd probably also like Happy Death Day. Yeah, I think so. I heard it's pretty good. So. It is pretty good. I haven't seen the sequel yet, but I want to. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> can, um, can General Thorpe... No, not Thorpe. General Tilney. Can General Tilney get the... Uh, the John Sedgwick experience? Sure. <laughs> I have no idea what the John Sedgwick experience is. Okay, hang on. Let me go down to the description because I'm just reading about him the other night. Uh, John Sedgwick, a United States Army General in the American Civil War who, during the Battle of Spotsylvania Courthouse, said, I'm ashamed of you dodging that way for single bullets. They couldn't hit the de- an elephant at that distance. Seconds before <laughs> being fatally shot in the head by a sniper. 
Yes! So I definitely feel like uh, General Tilney is going to be, I know what you've been hearing about mysterious masked figures and bodies dropping in the ground, but I assure you that this is the safest place in Bath, and nobody, I say nobody, is going to be killed tonight. And then, like, the person pops up behind him and... (laughs) 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 What would the period slasher look like? Would he be wearing, like... The like the comedy mask from a theater, some sort of Venetian mask. Um, it would have to be a full face mask. It couldn't just be the yeah across the eyes Venetian mask. Yeah, you couldn't do the domino thing. Um, yeah. Well, I, w- I was thinking, what would an early nineteenth century ghost face killer look like? They would probably wear a Venetian mask. Yeah, <laughs> but it was literally just the ghost face mask. <laughs> 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 I mean, like. The Venetian masks are pretty elaborate. Uh, There's the Batwa, the simple version. um, So it's kind of square that that turns into a triangle near uh, at the chin. And it still has like the nose and kind of like a stylized eyebrow. Oh, yeah. I just looked it up. That's that's really good. That's the kind of thing I'd like to see. Yeah. And like big floppy hat and some sort of like thing underneath to cover up the neck. Yeah, and you can get a bunch of filigree on here too. Yeah. So yeah, we can do something like that. We could even say that it was like oh a souvenir or an antique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, by that point, uh, Venice wasn't really doing the carnival anymore. Napoleon had put an end to it. <laughs> <sighs> Fucking Napoleon. Napoleon storms into Italy and says, no fun allowed. (sighs) You're fucking Italian, Napoleon. Fucking Christ. (laughs) I'm the only Italian allowed to have fun. It's because of how tall I am. Should have died on your way back from fucking Moscow. Cossack should have popped one in the head on you. Storming through Italy, shutting down all the carnivals, and meanwhile he's saying, make sure everybody knows how tall I am. I don't want history to imply that I was short. (laughs) (laughs) though i will say one of my favorite art facts of all time is that is how much artists hate drawing hands which is why a lot of napoleon's paintings have like one of his hands tucked away in his shirt (laughs) (laughs) jacques louis david is like fucking hands i hate them (laughs) too many parts (laughs) Napoleon sitting on the throne is like, I'm the Emperor of France. You can tell because I'm very tall and I have two great hands. Make sure everyone knows that I'm tall and have great hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone else who didn't like him was like, yeah, sure, tall and great hands. How about short and no hands, huh? Fuck you, Napoleon. <laughs> Fucking Napoleon's defense, he was of average height. <laughs> which was five foot seven. Do we know, though? That could also be propaganda. <laughs> um. Well, according to the French measure system... He was average height, which was slightly smaller than the British average, but also they counted the Irish. The French, and... Why do the French have a different metric system? <sighs> well, the Brits were still using imperial. The, and the Brits are like weird when it comes to measurements. <laughs> oh, the Brits are probably still using stone. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, Divide or multiply your weight by 14. Fuck you, Britain! <laughs> you know, anyone can have a healthy weight in stone if you find a big enough or small enough stone. Yeah. 
And yeah, the only reason why the Brits were considered tall is because the Irish were eating the potatoes all the time, and their their dudes were fucking giant. It was skewing the statistic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so, Frederick's gonna be the one doing the killing, because he's like, one, psychopath, two, I get everything. <laughs> Maybe he can fake being away. Because he's barely in the book anyway. <laughs> Is he with his regiment? No, we haven't seen him in a while. And we're planning on going to some far-flung part of the Empire to put down a rebellion. He could fake his death early on. Get into a duel with someone. Mm-hmm. Or it could be like, oh no, we heard word that his, uh, his unit was ambushed and attacked and there were no survivors. How convenient. Yeah, so it looks like Henry's going to be set up to becoming the heir, unless he must marry someone of appropriate wealth and status. Oh, it looks like Catherine might be inheriting some money from the Allens. Oh, no, it's not like the Allens like us, but th 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 we're not actually getting anything. Really? There's nothing guaranteed. They might give us some... It's not what you think. But at the same time, the Moorlands aren't, like, poor. What's Freddy's motivation for killing everyone off? Aside Is he also trying to get at the money? Yeah, he's probably, I was thinking maybe his, um, because he's such a rake, he's racked up a whole bunch of debts and he's like, oh, I need money like right fucking now. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And what's an easier way to get money than uh, inheritance? And the only thing stopping you from getting your inheritance is someone, you know, staying alive. Fuck, the Bee Gees is now playing in my head. <laughs> Yeah, staying alive while it's cover. Yes. <laughs> okay, so actually, Maiden, the, so if that's the motivation, then he probably should be sticking around more. Yeah. Because we, we could have a thing where it's like, it seems like Henry has been fatally wounded by the killer. And yeah. Henry is like, I'm sorry, I don't think I'm going to make it. But if you marry my brother, then he'll be able to support you. And Frederick is like, well, that's a shame, but I guess we gotta get married now. <laughs> And then that'll be, like, near the end, and then it'll be revealed. We could- I feel like- I think the final three people should be Catherine and Henry, obviously, and yeah. then also Isabella. Yeah. We gotta off one of the Thorps. Yeah. We gotta off- John is easy to off. Eleanor, like, I don't wanna off Eleanor, but she's an easy kill, too? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we keep Eleanor, then. Maybe both the Thorps get it, but maybe, like- Isabella, I don't know, she, she has, like, a heroic sacrifice moment because, like, she her whole thing is conniving and tricking people, so maybe she's able to lure the killer away and distract him so that the others can get away. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe instead of, like, the usual final girl, it's the final two girls with uh, Catherine and Catherine and Eleanor. We can throw in Jane's as another sacrificial character. Yeah. He's trying to protect his baby sister. Yeah. I mean, don't... The trope is final girl, but it's not always just one singular person who is the final girl left. Yeah. Like, th there are several movies, including Scream, where there are at least three people yeah. remaining. Yeah. Yeah, so let's just say for sure it's going to be Catherine and Eleanor who are the survivors. Actually, no. No, never mind. I changed my mind. I think we should have killed Eleanor. Okay. <laughs> because she's, she's okay, according to Wikipedia, uh, da, 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 her friendship with Catherine Worland begins halfway through the novel. Uh, but she is sweet, kind, and humble like her brother Henry. So she's the one that you go, no, how dare you kill her? 
Okay, yeah. <laughs> and the one that starts, like, making Catherine go a little unhinged. Mm-hmm. But also the one that Thor's can be like, ah, see, this is evidence. Catherine lured Eleanor into her proximity so that she could kill her. And they're already pretty good at gaslighting, so maybe Catherine's going like, oh no, what What if I am going crazy and, and I'm starting to stab people? I don't want to get into that. I think everyone should be mentally sound. At the start. Yeah, yeah, but also just, no, it, it's, because it is the recurring thing of like, well, what was the killer's motivation? Oh, they had schizophrenia, which that that yeah. doesn't happen. And actually, yeah. people with the schizophrenia and similar mental illnesses are usually more the victims of violence than the um, causes of it because yeah. of societal beliefs about what they do and what they're uh, quote unquote capable of. And so then they get punished just because of that. Yeah, yeah, no, I think if like, Catherine starts getting unhinged it's just because of stress yeah exactly yeah see and I th- I feel like the Thorps are the kind of people who are like they assume that everyone else is just as manipulative as they are yeah oh this could easily be like some version of like and then there were none yes except someone survives yeah I could see I- I'm the way I'm thinking is like when they finally confront each other over thinking the other is the killer. And Isabel would be like, you're trying to kill everyone so you can pressure Henry into marrying you and then get all of his money. She's like, no, why would I do that? Well, because it's actually kind of smart. I mean, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you think it's such a great idea, why didn't you do it? Hold on, get blood on this dress. Are you insane? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I'm getting there. (laughs) oh so an early thing that happens when um when catherine first meets uh henry is that like he displays a remarkable knowledge about muslins and that's like a mark in his favor by mrs allen (laughs) so i'm like maybe there there should be like a recurring thing about fabrics He knows so much about Taffeta. Uh, he can't be bad. <laughs> Taffeta, darling. <laughs> okay. So, Catherine's our last, our final girl. Does anyone else survive with her, or does she, like, ride off in survival? I think I think I go back to my initial uh, feeling of Catherine, Henry, and Isabella. And Henry is, like, wounded, and they think it's fatal, but then he can come back at the end to, I uh, don't know, like, th- throw a platter at his brother's head. Yeah. <laughs> and so he does have to go off to the physician, and they're like, don't worry, we'll give him plenty of leeches. But it's implied <laughs> that he will survive, and he and Catherine can actually marry. Yeah. I also want to burn down Northanger Abbey, because that seems dramatic. Yeah. Any slasher set predominantly in a house should have it burned down. Also, like, the fact that it is called Northanger Abbey, like, they should be trapped in the house. Yeah. Like, there are chains on the outside and stuff. Oh, maybe... Maybe that's how Eleanor dies, like, instead of being got by the killer, she, or maybe a combination, but, like, she tries to escape by climbing out a window, and then the killer appears outside and, like, chases her, and she falls off the battlements. Yeah. like. And then, like, uh, depending on how gory you want to be, she can be, like, impaled on a fence or something. (laughs) It really just depends on what sort of English country house we rent out for this. (laughs) I mean, I was looking at um, Raby Castle, uh, which is in, like, central England, not quite the north, but getting close to it. And, like, the inside is very... Central Anger Abbey. (laughs) The inside is very, like, 
rococo fancy, but the outside is still like a medieval castle. So, I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, poor girl, she dies trying to escape. Um, Both the Allens are going to bite it. Yeah. Because Mr. Allen has gout. He can barely move. <laughs> and Mrs. Allen, uh, I don't know, throat cut, knitting needles. In I the... do like, I do, oh no, what if knitting needles in the eyes? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no. No, that is a <laughs> very... That is going to be talked about. <laughs> Mrs. Allen got it in the eyes. <laughs> so I'm trying to, anytime I think of a horror movie, I try and think, hmm, what would James from Dead Meat say about <laughs> <laughs> which of these deaths is going to get the gold, the golden chainsaw? <laughs> because like the possible implements are a lot of knives, um, axes. Um, I, I was thinking someone should get an axe to the face. Yeah. How about John? Okay. John Thorpe. Yeah. <laughs> and like he has to bite it long enough that he is a plausible red herring, but I don't think near the end. I feel like halfway through. Yeah. Oh, what else could you kill someone with? Um, well, rope, the candlestick. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Various implements from Clue. <laughs> and then everything is flammable in that place. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's probably how Freddy goes out. Yeah. Dies among the flames, but like, I, I don't know if we want to be cliched, like maybe the stinger at the end is like, I don't know, someone who's heavily scarred at a hospital or an inn and he kind of sounds like Freddy. Oh, dang. <laughs> no thank Dravi too. <laughs> we just kick off a whole, a whole thing of period slashers, but at the end we get, we get to like Emma X, which is Emma, but it is in space, and she has to deal with the cyborg corpse of, of Frederick. How did she get there? I don't know. Time travel. <laughs> Freddy versus Wickham. <laughs> I mean, Wickham is a borderline psychopath, so <laughs> depending on your reading, depending on your reading of Wickham, but honestly, he could be easily be played as a psychopath. I have one more idea. I just got to look up other works of Jane Austen. <laughs> the Mansfield Park Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> well, again, it's another bunch of young people stuck in a big country house. Oh yeah, that's literally the plot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Except chainsaws brought around, it would have to be like axes. <laughs> well, axes aren't as fun. What well, they invented the first chainsaw? <laughs> Victor Frankenstein shows up, <laughs> invents the chainsaw. He claims to be a doctor, but someone is like, "You didn't even finish medical school." <laughs> yeah, we're just attempting to. Uh, restart the universal dark dark universe, but right? <laughs> What's the production company that made Lizzie Bennet Diaries and all the other ones? Pemberley Digital. Yeah. So this is dark Pemberley Digital. <laughs> well, despite her lampooning of the gothic horror, of the gothic romance genre, I do think Jane Austen was a fan of Anne Radcliffe, so it's just, you know, she lampoons with love. 
Anyway, that's about all I got. Plausible se- sequel hook because nobody actually saw Freddy, Freddy Tilney die. Oh, <laughs> uh, put him up in the pantheon of slasher serial killers like Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees. He could like emerge from the wreckage of the Abbey, all like scarred up and inflamed, and then that's when Henry shows back up, like on a horse, and just mows him down. Yeah. Henry, you're alive! Uh, barely! And then he falls off the horse. <laughs> it's alright, it was just a stab to the gut. <laughs> I'll only have a mild infection and maybe a little bit of gangrene. <laughs> and like, they go to the hospital like, yeah, we just pumped him full of a kegger of morphine, he's gonna be fine. <laughs> Filled that gut with whiskey. We gave him some, yeah, we gave him some whiskey and meth. No, meth wasn't around at the time. It would have been laudamum, which is just straight up opium. (laughs) Anyway, I think that's basically it. In that case, uh, I guess it's a truth universally acknowledged that we're going to head over to the numbers. I mean the friendship promo. (laughs) Hey, want to go on an adventure? (laughs) This is quite enough adventure for me, please. No. I left Bob outside to work on the solar panel, so nothing is wrong. Just wanted to communicate. I'm inside. Okay. So, uh, no one, no one else is uh, having this reaction. No, I, I, I guess no one else would because uh, no one else was outside building a shelter. <laughs> the captain uh, needed some alone time. What do you mean? She was getting a bit aggressive in our conversation, and then, then she burst into what I'm told are called. Tears. Thank you, Beatrix. Please don't murder Bartholomew. I can't guarantee that, Beatrix, but check back in about two minutes. Civilized, an improvised dark comedy sci-fi podcast. Visit civilizedpod.com. We're not lost. I'm not, not going to say we're, we're lost. lost. We're not lost. We're not lost. <laughs> we're not lost, Captain. Maybe we don't know where we are. All right, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at LindsayM476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A. And you can get to all my other social media networks. Social media all networks? All my other social media... <laughs> you need to start your own Twitter. <laughs> yes, I am secretly... <laughs> I am secretly Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, God. <laughs> and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not to Fire Beat You First, and they're pronounced Teenager Scare the Living Shit Out of Me. You can also email us at notifireboutyoufirst at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your recommendation for the emo song that will likely be slowed down for the trailer of this movie. <laughs> that's also where you can send us a friendship promo be an audio clip or a proof for us to read but either way we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or youtube or even your deviantart not if i reboot you first as a member of the corner podcast network and you can talk more about the show or others on the network via our corner podcast discord 
Our cover art, as always, is by Alex, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you let music of his own for your own. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Soto, Assiniboine, and Métis. Last but not least, don't forget that you can buy this episode for yourself. That's right, it is not an NFT, it is just your name on a spreadsheet. But for a $5 donation to the North Central Family Center, we will declare that you're the owner of this podcast episode, or any episode you so desire. So Tanner... Lindsay. What are we to do next week? Next week, we're going to find out that the only thing worse than zombies in a mall is zombies on a boat. Huh. Okay, uh, I guess I'm resurrecting George Romero for this, so... um... Not necessarily. Oh. It depends. Has he covered wars? I don't know. Yeah, my guy's covered wars, you know. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But we'll rise up next week and not... If we reboot you first. Bye.